0: You're listening to the CTK O'Fallon Podcast. Amen. Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. It's good to be in the house of God tonight. Thank you for being here tonight on this Wednesday night. And I thank God for the presence of the Lord that I feel in the house already. And uh, so thankful for that and grateful for that. Thank you for being here tonight, we had a tremendous time, or I should say they, I was not here last night, they had a tremendous time last night, the ladies prayer meeting, and so to all the ladies that made your way out, God bless you, thank you so much for being here, I was so blessed and thrilled just to hear the report as my wife shared, and I know God did some great things, and there was some great faith uh, from that night. And uh, my wife said, I believe we're going to hear of miracles from what God did last night. How many believe that with me? We're going to hear of miracles from what God did last night. And so I thank you for that. For those that don't understand, last week, Wednesday night, we taught a little bit from the passage that includes foot washing. And then the last couple of weeks, we've had men and women's prayer meeting on Tuesday nights. And participated in that exercise, and just a tremendous, tremendous spiritual, spiritual practice. Amen. And I know God is blessing. I feel that we had a uh, we had somebody uh, uh, a service worker in the church earlier this week, and uh, it was yesterday. I think it was before we had gotten into the office, and a Sister Caitlin was here and. He said to her, he said, I just got to say, you can really feel the presence of the Lord in here. And I thought, that's good. That's good. Amen. That somebody could feel the presence of the Lord in the church. Thank God for that. But then I thought, how many other churches has he been to? Amen. And he didn't feel the presence of the Lord. I'm thankful that God's spirit is in the house tonight. Come on. Are you thankful for the presence of the Lord tonight? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Stand together with me. We're going to go to the word of the Lord tonight in Bible study. We're going to do uh, something a little bit different tonight. This is just going to be a standalone Bible study. And I want to take you to two passages of Scripture, verse Proverbs chapter number 4, and then I want to take you to Hebrews chapter number 12. Proverbs chapter number 4, and Hebrews chapter number 12. Why don't you turn around to somebody and tell them I'm glad you're here on midweek. Amen. If you don't know them, tell them welcome to CTK. We're glad to have you here. Amen. On this Wednesday night. Well, let me go there. Proverbs chapter number 4. And verse number 23. So this is a part of Proverbs where each verse stands alone. You can read this here with me. And it simply says this, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. So here we are admonished that there is to be a keeping or, if you will, a guarding of the heart and it says, with all diligence. Letting us know that there's going to be some effort that is going to be required. Flip, if you will, to Hebrews chapter number 12. And we're going here to this, apostle, uh, this epistle, book of Hebrews, and he's writing here about relationships between men and God. And look at what it says in verse 14. Follow peace with all men and holiness... "...without which no man shall see the Lord." So he's talking about relationships, and he's talking about not only our relationship with men, but our relationships with God and holiness, "...without which no man shall see the Lord, looking diligently..." Here's that word, diligently, again. "...looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace..." Of God, lest any man fail of the grace of God. I'm gonna tell you this God's grace will never fail us. But we can fail God's grace. That means, if I put it in a different way, God's grace will never fail us. God will give us the opportunity to be saved out of our situation, but we can fail at taking advantage of that opportunity lest, he goes on and says, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled. Amen. I want to talk to us for a few moments tonight on this thought, simply keeping your heart from resentment. Keeping your heart from resentment. And I know uh, 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 that uh, the Lord is going to be dealing with many of us tonight because I've talked with many of you throughout the last few weeks and just know some of your circumstances and situations as well. As This is sort of going to piggyback a little bit maybe on some of the things that I preached this past Sunday. But I want God's Word, amen, to have His way into a heart. Are you ready to open up your heart tonight to the Word of God? I want God to speak to me. Do you want God to speak to you? Amen. Would you lift your voice and your hearts with me tonight right now? Lord, in Jesus' name, I thank You for Your Word. I thank You for Your Spirit. I thank You for Your truth that is liberating. And I pray in these next few moments, God, that You would have Your way. Lord, everyone that's in the house, everyone joining online, I pray, God, right now that the Word of God could have free course. I give you liberty in my life, in my mind, in my spirit. And God, we're going to give you the glory and the honor and the praise and thanksgiving tonight in Jesus' name. And everybody said in Jesus' name. Amen. Clap your hands unto the Lord tonight. Hallelujah. Thank God for His blessings in our life. And God bless you tonight as you are seated. Keeping your heart (coughs) from resentment. So we're targeting a specific area here. We are, we are narrowing it down to uh, a, a very specific thing, and that is the word of resentment. In the book of Hebrews, the word was used bitterness, a root of bitterness, bitterness that can spring up, it says, and trouble you. He tells us that in order to be on guard for resentment or bitterness, if you will, he he said that we must be looking diligently lest any man fail of the grace of God. We must work diligently that that it's not just going to be an autopilot kind of thing but we're really going to have to work at this proverbs says keep our hearts with all I want to read to you a couple verses, two verses. We'll we'll lift them in their single context. Romans chapter number 8 and verse number 28, and then we'll go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 18. But go with me to Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. This is a hard Scripture to live. It says this, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are the called according to his purpose. The apostle says we know all things work together for good to them that love God. The harsh reality in life is that not all things work together together good, but they work together for good. So it doesn't mean that always there will be good in your life. Life happens. In fact, it's testifying to that, and it's saying that in spite of the difficulties, in spite of the disappointments and the wrongs, if you are a follower of God, if you are obeying His Word, if you are trusting in Him, if you are living according to the purpose that God puts in your life, the promise is that all things will work together for Good. I'm thankful here tonight that I can say I've lived long enough to see that testimony bear true in my life. Yes, bad things can happen, but God is a redeemer, and the truth is His ways are above our ways. And isn't it amazing how He takes something that we wonder how we're ever going to make it through, and He works it out. For his good. Just this morning, I was talking to somebody, amen. I I won't share or give away any of the details, but talking to somebody that's been living a life of faith for years, wondering how they were ever going to make it, trusting God, putting God first. And God just did for them when they don't have much of nothing, let's say, God just did for them. I, uh, uh, I would say we were, we were adding it up this morning over a $300,000 miracle for them just like that. God put something in their heart years ago. They followed after it. They started trusting God, starting putting God first. And here's the irony. I'll throw this in for extra. They lived on the smallest of margins that you could imagine, but they always paid their tithes and they even decided, Sister Frazee, you always say, they even decided that they were going to support missions all those years while things were just backing up and things were adding up. And then just Just in a moment, God takes care of things. God does amazing things. I'm here to tell you, not all things work together for good. Because if you knew their story, there were a lot of things that you would think, this isn't adding up, this isn't making sense. But God never fails, and He always keeps His promises. The second verse I want to take you to is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse number 18. And this one may be even harder sometimes to live. But it simply says, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. i preached this here before many times. In everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Now what it does not say is for everything give thanks. There's some things that I'm like I don't know about this God I don't know that I'm going to thank you for this but what it does say is that no matter where you find yourself no matter what circumstance you're in you give thanks to the Lord because God is sovereign God does all things well, and if our life is really in His hands, amen, no matter what we see, we know we can trust in Him. These are two powerful verses. But let me highlight that it is impossible to live out the truth of these verses if you are carrying resentment. If I'm walking with resentment, it's going to be hard for me to say, that all things work together for good. If I'm living with resentment, it's going to be very difficult, impossible, to give thanks in everything, because I'll always be hung up on some points of my life, some things that happen. These verses manifest life without resentment, life full of hope and trust in God. The reality is that bitterness shows up when bad things happen. And so tonight I want to talk to you for just a few more minutes. Keep your heart from resentment. Keep your heart from resentment. Three things, three things that we've got to keep our hearts from resenting. I'm going to give those three things to you tonight. Three things that we must not allow our heart to resent. Number one, we've got to keep our heart from resentment towards God. We have to keep our heart from resentment towards God. In our circumstances, in our health, in our money, in our finances, in our relationships, bad things happen, things decay, fall apart, deteriorate. And if we're not careful, we can resent God because the reality is if we are living a life of faithfulness to God and all things work together for good to them that love God, if something is happening in our life, then that means that God permitted it. This is a hard truth. There's an entire book in scripture, 42 chapters long, and in its original language, it was written in poetry so that you could recall it, so that you could read through it, so that there would at least be some pleasantry about the story. But in English, the rhyme is lost, there is no rhythm. It's just a sorry story of disappointments, of losses, of suffering. But the reality is that God permitted things to happen in Job's life. We don't understand why. We are never given the answer why but we see long, hard days, weeks, months, nights of agony, of going from a place of being blessed to a place of such despair where his spouse says, why don't you just give up, curse God, and die? And as Job would wrestle with those same emotions, and he would challenge God, he never would usurp God's authority. He would never rebel against God. He would always remain submitted to God. And he would not allow himself to become absolutely resentful to God. Yes, he questioned why he was born. Yes, he hated the fact that he was born. There were days he said it would have been better if I never existed. But Job never resented God. In fact, his refrain was, naked came I into this world and naked shall I go, but blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He didn't say, though this sickness kill me. He didn't say, though I suffer loss. He said, if God... Kills me, yet will I trust him. That even if God is bad to me, he's still my best option. Oh, I wish sometimes we'd get a revelation that even if God was mean to me, he's still my best option. Even if God was bad to me, he'd still be better than any other choice I have in this world. Job, in the midst of that bitterness... He resented, yes, he resented the pain. He resented the betrayal. He resented the loss, but he never resented God. He asked God why. God, I haven't been unfaithful. God I've lived holy he asked God why he let God know it didn't make sense but when God showed up and God just simply said where were you Job where were you when I did all of this stuff Job at the end of that discourse he comes back on the scene and he says I'm going to take this hand and I'm going to put it over this mouth and I'm not going to say another word because you are holy you are righteous you are mighty and I'm going to serve You and I'm gonna love you, and you're still God on the throne. You are God, and I am not. And He didn't allow resentment to set in. So maybe your wilderness is God's fault, but as I preach Sunday, we can't blame our wilderness because God tried to tell the children of Israel that I'll be your deliverance in the wilderness. I'll be your sustaining in the wilderness. I'll be your provision in the wilderness. I'll be your blessing in the wilderness. I'll be your covering in the wilderness. I'll be your warmth in the wilderness. I'll be your joy in the wilderness. I'll be your peace in the wilderness. So we cannot resent God. In order for them to get to the promised land, they had to go through the wilderness. And sometimes God is trying to promote us to a better place. And in doing so, He takes us through some things. He allows us to go through some things. Keep your heart with all diligence. Bars are full of rooms of bitter people against God people mad at why life happened why life had to turn out this way why this happened why that happened and they get resentment towards god i'm here to tell you don't resent god god redeems bad stories and the story isn't over turn to somebody and tell them the story isn't over the story isn't over it's not finished yet. You're just, you're just at the intermission. <laughs> and, and, they, and they put that cliffhanger in there to keep you. We all, we all want miracles, right? Come on, you want a miracle? Then that means you have to be in an impossible situation. God says, I am. Okay, what does that mean? I am that I am. I am everything. He says, I'm your provider. Where did he reveal himself as the provider to Abraham? When Abraham's biggest need laid before him. (laughs) And God says, I'm a provider. So not only was the wilderness God's idea... The wilderness was necessary. The wilderness was necessary for them to know that he was the life giving source. Yeah, yeah. I've got to take you, God was saying, I've got to take you to a place that you could not live by any other means except me to know that I am life. Yeah. All right. He could tell them all he wanted in, in Egypt uh, uh, I'm your provider but they didn't need Him. He could tell them, I'm your life giver, but they didn't need Him. So we cannot resent, we cannot resent God for our circumstances because as Isaiah said, His ways are not our ways, His thoughts are not our thoughts. As high as the heavens are above the earth. And so God works differently. Number two. Number one, resentment towards God. Number two is resentment towards others. You have to guard yourself from resentment towards others. I can't get away this morning or, or the, tonight. I couldn't get away today from my devotional journal and things. Everything that I'm sharing here tonight was stuff that I had down in my devotional journal. And I'll give credit tonight. The main outline or these three points. I was in uh, at a men's conference in Connecticut earlier in the year in March, and. Uh, a young man there gave a morning devotional and he took about, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes and he shared these three points that I shared today, but uh, tonight, but all the, the things I pulled, literally pulled today out of my devotional journal. Resentment towards others. When he was using this uh, 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 these three points that I'm sharing tonight as part of his devotional, he used a quote that I wrote down in my book. I wrote the three points that I'm sharing tonight, and I wrote this quote. And the quote was this, if you are not healed from pain, you will organize your life around it. If you want to write that down, that's a good one worth writing down. If you are not healed from pain, you will organize your life around it and resentment towards others there is nothing more painful in life than people people are the most painful things in your life David even said this he said that that the enemies are those of my own house what was he saying well well, people, the people that can hurt you the most are the ones that are the closest to you. I'm not being hurt by people on the other side of the world. I'm being hurt by the people that are the closest to me. That was what David was saying. Resentment towards others. Now, does that mean others don't do you wrong? No, they, they, that is a reality. People can do you wrong. But what I'm talking about tonight is I'm talking about even though others do you wrong, God's word declares that you and I can be healed and free from the pain that has been committed towards us. So I can be done wrong. You could have been done wrong in the most horrific of manners. But the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ... It's not the, that, that he can help you for you, but he can help you with all of the shame and the guilt and the problems that anyone else has ever done to you. When you are baptized in Jesus' name, you are baptized not only for the sins that you have committed, but you are baptized for every sin that has been committed against you. It is buried in the name of Jesus Christ. That's the power, Mm -hmm. the cleansing power of the blood of the Lamb. So when I'm baptized, I'm not just, free from the effects of the guilt of the the sin that I committed and the shame that I bear but I am free from every sinful act that has been committed against me he has delivered me once and for all but if you don't allow the healing to take place you will organize your life around the pain And people live their lives around that. I was nine years old, and I broke my femur about five inches above my knee. And the best way that the doctor at the time determined to handle that was he put me in what's called traction, where they lay you in the bed, and they've got the bars all over it, and they strap up all different parts of your leg, and they have weights hanging on the bed, and they pull, they stretch the muscles that it contract, and they reset the bone. It took two and a half weeks, it took about two and a half weeks for them to set my leg. Two and a half weeks to set the leg, and after they did that, they then put me in a full body cast. And I lived two months in a full body cast from my armpit all the way down to my toes. It was horrific. As a nine year old boy, it was absolutely horrible. So I spent, then after that, they cut the body cast off. And after that, I spent about, oh, uh, maybe another, I think, week and a half in the hospital learning how to walk and just to stand up, which was very difficult. And so it was quite a long episode, and then it took me about six months before I was down to one crutch. And when I was down to one crutch, then uh, I was released to go back. It probably was a year uh, before I could play tackle football again, though that was the most important thing as a a nine-year-old boy. I had to change my life drastically. And major, massive accommodations were made in that time period, in that process. And most of the accommodating wasn't just me, but it was everybody else in the household accommodating to me. So the reality was there was pain, there was a problem But there was a healing process that took place. And thank God, praise God, that the healing finalized and took place, and I was able to get back to normal. I'll never forget going to church. I think I went to church two times during that two months that I was in a full body cast. And uh, my dad had a a big old Oldsmobile, and I was just... long enough that I could fit long ways in the back seat of the Oldsmobile if he propped me up on an angle and I could fit in the back part of the car and they could shut the door on both ends and, and I fit. And so they trans- transported me to the church and then they had a reclining wheelchair and they put me in the wheelchair and they took me to church. Well, church is it's a big church and so, uh, thankfully we had slanted, uh, floors down and on the side of the church was the steepest slant because I was stuck laying back. And so I couldn't look at the pulpit very well. And uh, while I was there, one of the, uh, The good sisters in the church that was uh, full-time cleaning staff. She sent me a a paper note during church, and she said, "Andrew, if you could, can you count all the light bulbs that are out during church?" Because I was laying laying on my back like this kind of thing. It was a large sanctuary. It's a large sanctuary, seats about twenty-five hundred people. And would you believe it? There were a lot of light. I never had paid attention. There were a lot of lights that were out. And so everybody had to accommodate me, but you planned everything for two months. I didn't see my bedroom for two months. I lived in the living room. I couldn't get out of the living room for two months. I was stuck there. I was, I mean, you can't do anything. One, one day my mom was on the phone or doing something and I I was trying to move and, and uh, I, I, I crawled, my army crawled my way somehow I don't know if I was off the couch there or whatever, but I was on the floor and I army crawled my way to the the hallway and I was using my arms trying to push myself up. I just wanted to be upright. I was so vertical and about pass out when the blood rushes. And it it was just miserable living your life like that. And I'm going to tell you, when you're wounded, you you make accommodations for a season and the reality is, is not only that, but other people make accommodations to you but at some point, if you don't heal, you will organize your life around that. Yeah. Yeah. You'll organize your free time. you organize what you do. you organize everything. And if you don't heal, what you don't realize is you will immediately organize what God is allowed to do in your life. And if you have unresolved resentment in your heart, you can even come to church And when God is trying to do something for you and promises that God's trying to give you, you can disqualify yourself. Nope, God can't do that one, can't do that one. And we miss out on the very blessings that God is trying to give to us, all because of resentment. You say, Well, I was done wrong. Yes, that's right. Here's why it's so important for you to heal when you've been done wrong. Because hurt people hurt people. I'll prove it to you. I'll show you Bible. Unhealed wounds will ultimately heal others. And in one man's story, by the name of Absalom, his bitterness would lead him to do the very thing that he despised the very thing that brought bitterness into his heart would be the very thing that we would see him doing at the end of his life. Catch this story with me. This is, uh, this is adult material for an adult crowd. But the Bible doesn't pull any punches when it illustrates the massive dysfunction in David's life and home. David's family dysfunction went as such. Amnon, his son, rapes his half-sister Tamar, and David, King David, does nothing. Tamar is the real victim. David does not grieve for her. He's just angry at what happens. So Absalom then, in his father's silence, goes and kills his brother Amnon for it. And now David grieves for Amnon's death. He did not grieve for his daughter, but he grieved Amnon's death. Absalom flees the kingdom and he goes to his grandfathers, which happened to be the king of Jeshur. Later on, David would have Absalom brought back home, Restored to the kingdom with a caveat that he would prohibit him from ever being in his presence. David refused reconciliation and bitterness and resentment sets in and secures Absalom's rebellion. Absalom becomes guilty Of the very thing he hated and murdered his brother over, rape. But this time Absalom does it publicly of his father's ten concubines that are left to keep the palace. Hurt people hurt people. And you cannot afford to hold on to resentment. It is not worth the price that you will pay in your life. Jonah chapter 4. Jonah resents Nineveh's salvation. And he goes out and he pouts. And the book closes abruptly with God's rebuke of Jonah. The story of the prodigal son and there is the eldest son that is resenting the returned prodigal. Why did these incredible stories of salvation and redemption, why were the righteous people in those stories? Why did the faithful ones in those stories both end with a rebuke from the Father or a rebuke from God? It was because they had allowed resentment to settle into their heart. I'm going to tell you that's what was so powerful about an episode or a practice and a prayer meeting like what was witnessed here last night. And that's because it's really hard to meet someone at a basin of water, at a point of humility and service, and to hold resentment in your heart. It's not worth Resenting someone else. And the third and the final thing that I leave you with is we must guard in our heart diligently resentment against God, resentment against others, and finally, resentment towards ourselves. At some point, we have to stop keeping museums of our past failures. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. At some point, we have to stop keeping record of our past failures. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians chapter number six. He said, Know ye not <clears throat> what? That the, kingdom of God, that, ye, that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Let's go there. 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. And verse number 9. And he says here, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. Nor thieves, nor covetousness, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. But such and such were some of you. But ye are washed, ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit. Of our God, He was highlighting a point they had forgotten. They were returning back to things. There was all kinds of things, and He said, "God's not going to make a mock- be mocked. He's not. There, there's not going to be a mockery of this." And He says, "But you've been washed. You've been redeemed from that. You've been pulled out of that." And at some point in our life, we have to acknowledge that God has changed us. Amen. I am not what I used to be. Yeah. Stop resurrecting what has been buried under the blood of Jesus Christ. Stop resurrecting what God set you free from. He that the Son hath set free is free indeed. You say, well, I used to do this, and I had a thought again. Well, that doesn't make you what you used to be. It just makes you human. So get up and go on. Yeah, yeah, You had a weak day. You had a weak moment. That doesn't mean that your past comes back up and stands before you and says, aha, no, no, no. I was washed in the blood of the Lamb. I made a mistake, but it was buried. So that means there's only one mistake. There's not a lifetime of mistakes. Not There's not a generation of mistakes. There's not a, 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 a whole past of mistakes because that was buried in the blood of the Lamb. So stop resenting. Amen. Stop resenting ourselves. I wish I could go back. Does anybody wish you could go back? Does anybody have any regrets? Come on. Anybody that says I have no regrets, they are lying through their trees. There's no way. Regrets, regrets, regrets. You're not living life until you've had some regrets. So do you get up every day and say, man. That was just horrible. That was horrible. Can't believe I did that. No, you move on. You go past that. You make a mistake. Shouldn't have done that. Have you ever gone to a restaurant and you ordered something only to figure out later you should not have ordered that? Come on. What's really bad is when years later you think, ah, maybe that didn't really happen, and you go back thinking it's going to be better. Come on. I got a newsflash for y'all. White Castle's still the same. Some things ain't ever changing. Just got to move on. You don't get up every day and say, man, I can not Can you believe I did that? You believe what I did back in 1989? What was I thinking? Come on, God set you free. He cleansed you. He washed you from that. You know how the enemy is, and you know how your mind is. Start playing games, of man, I can't believe that. Wow. You get older, and you think, man, if I would have been in their shoes, I would have wanted to kill me too. Come on. Anybody else ever had that thought before? Like, like wow. Man, you, you you start you start living things and you resent things. I'm gonna tell you there's a powerful pas- passage of scripture, and go with me to the book of First John. And I'm closing with this in First John. First John chapter number 3 and verse number 20. He says, for if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart. Yes. <laughs> Who's this for? All right. This is for those that still resent themselves. That are ashamed of their past. Even though it's been washed in the blood, forgiven, thrown as far as the east is from the west, things come back up. And you, you're you stuck in resenting yourself. You can't do anything because... Well, I know what I did. And so you're, you're, you're living with a ceiling on your life of what God wants to do in you because you're resenting what happened. First John writes and says, if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Can you put that up there in the New Living Translation, Sister Monica? Can you get that on there? First John 3 and 20 in the New Living Translation. And it says, <clears throat> "Even if we feel guilty, God is greater than our feelings." Uh-huh. God's bigger than your problems. God's bigger than your hang-ups. God's bigger than your inability. To get past yourself. Yes. Amen. God's bigger. Hallelujah. And God says, I can. I can bless you. I can use you. I can redeem you. I can save you. I can change you. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Apostle Paul would open up every article and he'd say, Hi, Paul, an apostle. And then he'd get down a little farther and say, the chief of sinners. You think your sin's bad. Uh Uh-uh. My sin was worse because I was fighting. I wasn't just living after the flesh. I was fighting against God's own. I was killing those in the church. Top that one. But was he living under resentment? No. I'm sure there were times where he'd think, my goodness, how in the world could I have been so blind? How could I have done that? What was I thinking? No. Why? Because God is bigger. Come on. I'm thankful that God's not just bigger than my problems. Yeah but he's bigger than how I think about my problems. He's bigger than what I feel about my problems. He's bigger than anything that's in my life. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And so I could move past the resentment of myself, not that I justify myself or think I am great. No, by all means, it calls me to a place of humility. And I know that I stand in righteousness, not because of anything that I have done, but because of everything that he has done. Yes. Yes. But it liberates me. It liberates me to be what God wants me to be. Amen. How many times has God asked you to do something and you said, oh, oh God, you don't want me. Oh, God, you, you don't want me. No, 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 I'm not. God, I'll, I'll embarrass you, God. Come on. Yeah. Oh, God, I, I can't do that and we can't get past ourselves. Put that back up there. What's that say? Put that verse back up there. Somebody else needs to see it. What does it say? He's greater than our feelings, and He knows everything. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think God's setting you up for embarrassment? Would God ask us to do something we weren't able to do through Him? He knows everything. He knows how sorry we are. He knows how, he knows how simple we are. And yet we won't, God, we won't let God work in our life because we put limitations. Because we resent things and we can't get past what God is trying to do in our life. I thank God that He's bigger than all the problems I have in my life. So keep your heart <coughs> with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. Would you stand together with me? Is this alright tonight? Yes. Is this okay word tonight? Yes. Is God speaking to you tonight? Yes. Letting you see some things? Yes. And God wants us we can't control life. Two things I've learned you can't control. You cannot control life and you cannot control others. Amen. And if I am handicapped and hindered by what's happening in life and by what others are doing, I will never rise above. Yeah. Yeah. But if I can allow God and Christ to heal me and to free me to be what He wants me to be, come on, I don't have to worry about anything else. And what I can do is I can control myself. I can control. Now, I I maybe can't do the healing myself. I can't do the healing. But Christ, through His Word and through His Spirit, He will heal us. Is there anybody here that would be a testimony to say, hey, God's healed me from some pretty big things? I'm not just talking about bones that are breaking. I'm talking about some emotional powerful things God's healed me from. Come on. Can we lift our hands and just thank God tonight? Thank God for His work in our life. God, I thank you tonight. Thank you for your healing, and I thank you for your cleansing touch. God, I thank you for your power, and I thank you for your grace tonight. I thank you for your word that works and your mercy, God, that reaches. I thank you for your spirit that strengthens and edifies. And I pray tonight, God, that we would surrender everything that we have to you, that we would surrender our heart to you, God, our spirit, God, that we would surrender our will, Lord, our purpose and our dreams. God, that everything that we have would be yours. God, let us rise above resentment, Lord. And Let us walk in the liberty that you have for us today, God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, somebody just thank the Lord tonight.